This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has escaped the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the CarCast. After USC, go up to Pullman. And nothing goes their way. For the first 29 minutes, and then it's all <laughs> SC with the Trojans winning the game 45 to 14. 45 unanswered points with Jackson Dart. Yes, Jackson Dart at the helm for USC in Pullman. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, journal with my co-host, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. And we are back for a car cast, a road car cast, which means we're here. Uh, in the studio, coming a little bit quicker. Uh, we we do have some some family hanging around, so there might be some background noise. So you're just gonna have to roll with it. But just a steady rumble, maybe I think the occasional gonna... screeches of a 18 month old. Yeah, more importantly, there's plenty of steady screeches from people watching this game <laughs> and freaking out that SC had a terrible first half and a wonderful uh, second half. Um, Alicia, what do you think? 45-14. My first thought, and I put this on Twitter, and I don't want I don't want this to be read into. I'm not drawing conclusions. I'm not making a, a comparison that means that has any substance or anything like that. But did that game not feel like classic Pete Carroll? Like classic in the sense that like the first half was awful. The team just was playing down to their opponent. They came in at halftime and then suddenly the flip, the the switch got flipped. The adjustments got made. The energy changed, whatever it was, a 28 point third quarter. And I mean, I, I, I literally cannot remember the last time USC had a 28 point third quarter. Uh, uh, 28 point third quarter. Can't yeah. Remember. Yeah. I mean, probably back to Pete Carroll days, uh, quite literally back to back that far. But it, it was like USC came out and was a different team in in the in the third quarter, and and you saw the beginnings of that, the stirrings of that on that last drive in the in the second quarter when they got the seven points going into halftime, help make it feel like they were more in the game, and it, it was just completely different vibe in that second half, and that has not been the USC has had some magical fourth quarters in the past few years. But the full, complete performance of the second half, where they, A, didn't give up any more points to Washington State. Did it in every phase? Well, maybe the, the exception to special teams. Co- yeah. Did it on offense and defense. Completely shut down Washington State's offense, which looked like they could move the ball at will early in this game. And they just completely shut it down. The offense went hog wild. It was just really, really, really fun to see USC do the thing that I've been calling for them to do for a long time, which is put your foot down on the throat of an opponent and not let them breathe for the rest of the game. 
We've yeah. seen USC have relative blowouts. I mean, Washington State got blown out by USC last year, but it was not even close to the sensation that this one was. It felt very different, uh, which is all we've been asking for this whole time. Just do something different and uh, and we'll be happy. So I really can't complain. I mean, can't complain at all. That was that was a fun, fun, fun game. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of talking points about what was Dante Williams, what was Keaton Slovis, what was Jackson Dart, what was Graham Harrell, what was Toronto Orlando's input, like all of that. And I think it's going to be really interesting to dissect this a little bit more because I think that we can have all sorts of hot takes in the moment. Uh, clearly, Keaton Slovis goes down in the third play of the game, leaves, does not return, and Jackson Dart comes in and is what helps spearhead the turnaround, uh, even though it, it took Jackson Dart a quarter and a half to uh, to get to the point where he could get SC into the end zone. So it still took a bit. It's not like it, it was a miraculous change overnight. This was a full team turnaround. And I think for me, it was the adjustments that you saw in the second quarter and how they progressed through the end of the game on offense and defense. On offense, it was SC going away from the run. They could not run the game, the ball at all in this game. Well, can we talk about how USC had 48 rushing yards, and this was their best offensive performance of a long time? Yeah. So, like, clearly the whole bullcrap of we need to be averaging 170 rushing yards, it was bullcrap. I, I told you last year yeah. it was. Like, yeah. be what you're good at. If yes. what you're good at is being an air raid team that chucks the ball up and down the field, then be the air raid team that chucks the ball up and be, down the field. If you need to be YOLO raid, which I think Jackson Dart absolutely embraced, then be YOLO raid. Like, that was that was what made this all fun. And maybe you can't do that every game. Maybe you can't right. do that against every opponent. I think Washington State's defense is, is ripe for the pickings for this kind of thing. Yes. And you might not be able to do this against, uh, you know, Oregon's defense. But... You can do that. I mean, you can blow out bad defenses. Yeah, Welcome SC has to not life. done it. Yeah. SC has not done this. So yeah. you, you need to blow out a bad team before you can run against anybody else. Uh, figuratively speaking, uh, running against anyone else they have done, except for Washington State this year. Uh, SC is not able to run the ball, so they, they focus more on the passing game. They use that as a, a way to find open guys. And they found open guys. They got guys open for the first time all year. Keaton Slovis hadn't been throwing open guys. Drake, I mean, Jackson Dart was able to throw to open guys because those guys were available. They threw downfield for the first time mm -hmm. all season. Didn't really do that in the first two games. Here they were throwing downfield, finding guys, and getting everyone involved in the passing game. Well, everyone, even though Drake London still had like 18 targets, so... Uh, it was still the Drake London show, but they were able to move the ball and really find some diversity in the passing game well, in terms we... of the types of routes they were running mm -hmm. and, and where Jackson Dart was looking well, and was looking all were, over the field. How you were threatening the defense in yes. in different ways. And to spoil some over-under stuff, like we had an over-under about big plays down the field, 30-yard plays down the field. USC had one, two, three, four, five six passing plays of, thir of 30 yards or more in this game. Yeah. There's no reason you couldn't have been doing that the whole time. And two of those were late on in the fourth quarter. But, like, you still had four well, in, in time when this game was 
right going on like well, my problem is if teams are going to drop eight to take away those things then kill them underneath yeah but sc wasn't killing teams underneath yes so they were being able to move the ball between the 30s the receivers and, were blanketed underneath which is like yeah and they were blanketed underneath in addition to everything else but they weren't able to punch it in the red zone they weren't able to make the the, the big play when you needed it and here sc was after committing to hey you know what we're an air raid team we're gonna act like it they were able to throw the ball vertically. They were able to get everyone involved. They were able to do all those things. And I know the air raid isn't about throwing vertically. It's about throwing to space. It's about getting guys open. But they did that. And when you do those things, you open up the vertical passing game. You open up other opportunities to do things on offense. SC did that. Uh, part of it is Jackson Dart is someone who can who can run. Is he a running quarterback? No, I wouldn't say so. But he's someone who's mobile. And that's going to give you the threat of it. Uh, which forces defense to have to account for it. And there was a there was a tweet that we got that said, you know, Dart clearly shows that you, you need a, r- a running quarterback to run this offense. I don't think you do. I don't think you need a running quarterback to be an air raid team. Look at all the air raid quarterbacks in the history of the, the universe. Most of them have not been running quarterbacks. However, if you're going to do what SC wants to do, which is be an air raid team, but at the same time, have these power spread formations with the tight ends involved and all that stuff, then you kind of do need a running quarterback because you need another another player that the defense can focus on. And so you're going up against a 10-man defense against an 11-man defense because one guy has to cover two players, right? So it it helped out. It, it made it opened up some things, and then SC was really able to, to go to the air raid and go to the vertical passing game. Well, it, it's more important... That Jackson Dart had 32 yards rushing in this game and led the team in rushing than the fact that Keonta Ingram and Vi Malapai combined for 25 rushing yards. Like, right. that's more important that you had the running threat because, quite frankly, USC could have run less in this game and I would have Probably been. Probably should have. The, the, the run, run some of the early run plays that they were doing were just mind numbingly playing into Washington State's hands, and that was very frustrating. Yeah, and on the flip side of the things, we can talk about literally the inverse of this. SC came out on defense in the first quarter, and they decided that their way to defend uh, the Nick Rolovich run and shoot was to drop eight and to be very soft on defense and to play back, take away uh, deep passes. Um and that I, I didn't care for that at the moment. And I noted this on Twitter. I noted it to you, Alicia. Like, this sort of plays into Washington State's hand because you're allowing them to run the ball. And their best player is Max Borgie. And we talk about it a million times over. Max Borgie is Shasta, Shasta um, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> but Shasta Christian McCaffrey is still pretty damn good. Right? So it just allows him... To do to kill you, and he did in that first quarter. And Washington State was able to move the ball. So if you're going to be lax and drop eight, then you have to take away the passing game. They still didn't, and then that enabled Max Borgie to get involved. And you look at their drives. The first three drives for Washington State: eighty-nine yards touchdown, forty-five yards turnover on downs, and then fifty-eight yards touchdown. Which and that turnover on downs was partly. The reason they turned it over on downs instead of getting a, a field goal out of that, because they had been moving the ball so effortlessly that it made right. perfect sense to go for it on fourth down. Right. Yeah. 
Like, of course they were going to go for it because they, of course they were going to get those yards. So that was part of the the narrative is Washington State averaged 8.2 yards per play in the first quarter. Yeah. Like that it was bad. And then everything switched. Uh, SC started to bring more pressure. They didn't go completely to the man coverage and send the house defense that you saw late in games against Arizona State that you saw in the first two weeks. Uh, that, that Stanford kind of picked SC apart down down the, the flank of the field. No, the, you, they didn't do those things. They did sort of a half thing where they were still able to drop coverages. They were their moments. Yeah, yeah they, were, they were dropping coverage, were dropping guys in coverage, but they were still able to bring the heat, and that put pressure on Jaden Delora. It took away the run game. It took away Max Borgie, and if you take away Max Borgie, he's their best player. I'm sorry. I know that they're a passing team, but make them pass. Make Jaden Delora make a mistake. He will He will do it. Don't don't force them to use Max Borgie. And you look at their next several drives. One yard, punt. Seven yards, punt. Negative seven yards, punt. Negative five yards, uh, scoop and score in the end zone for a touchdown. Strip sack. Uh, zero yards, interception. Zero yards, punt. Nine yards, punt. Mm-hmm. You put all of those things together, and that was the catalyst on defense. Todd Orlando making those adjustments to give SC a chance on offense. When the offense was dead to rights because they weren't moving the ball, it allowed them the opportunity to work through the kinks with Jackson Dart getting his first ever time because Keaton Slovis goes out with injury. And... What happens? They figure it out. Well, and that was the that was the fun part of this game is that yes, the offense needed some time to figure it out, but they eventually did figure it out. And then that third quarter is very much an interplay between the offense and defense, both feeling it at the same time. So the defense is feeling good and the offense is feeling good and the defense is getting a stop and then the offense is rewarding them by getting a big touchdown soon after. And then the defense goes back on the field and they're feeling good and then they get another stop and then the defense comes back out and scores again. And then, you know, it was just, it was, that's what we haven't seen. We've seen USC have a quarter or a quarter and a half where they're just shut down defense, where they are not give, given anybody any room to breathe. And the offense struggles and struggles and can't give them some, some, some of their own right back to put a touchdown on the board. Yeah. It was nice to see both of them working in, in, in concert together. Yeah, and it all comes to the big flashpoint, which is a fourth and nine with 132 on the clock. Alicia, what happens when there's a fourth and nine with 132 on the clock? <laughs> Good things for USC? Yes. Good things <laughs> for USC. Uh, it, it's a fourth down situation, and SC throws the haymaker, the bomb, uh, downfield after they had run out clock to to take it down all the way to 32 seconds. Uh, wait, hold on. It says 132. Why does it say 130? Step books are I, weird. I don't trust the step book here. Yeah. Because it also says 32 seconds. Whatever. The point is, it was fourth and nine. That is the, the key. Yeah. Uh, they had, they had third and 18 at the Wazoo 47. And the, that play is a little dump pass to Vimalapai, who picks up half of it, mm-hmm. nine yards. Just like Reggie Bush picked up 11 of the fourth mm-hmm. and tw- uh, the third and 20 back in 2005. Yep. You didn't need the whole thing. You just put a little you, dump. You knew and what you were doing, yeah. He, he picks up half of it. So you know it's a fourth down play. SC down 14 to nothing. You knew they needed something. Going into the half, you needed something. If you go down 14 nothing, 
I don't know that they win this game. Um, at least not the way that they did. Not emphatically. They needed the spark plug. And the spark plug is the 4th and 9 touchdown bomb for 38 yards down the field to Gary Bryant Jr. Right up the seam on a post. Beautiful. I mean, it was just like you drew it up, right? This was... Gorgeous. I just had had conversations about how USC never has wide open receivers, ever. Yeah. Or at least when they are open, they never hit them. Like, it, it just, one of those things that USC does not do. And that play on fourth down was the textbook. You get your fastest guy open beyond the defense and you hit him over the top when the defense is trying to be aggressive because it's fourth down. And this USC has this happen to them regularly where... You take advantage of the aggressiveness of the opposing defense and you just burn them. And Gary Bryan Jr. can do that. And USC hasn't done it with him. And he proved he can do it. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of a counterbalance to the play against Stanford where he drops the ball in the end zone. It was he had to do the adjustment underneath the ball to go get it. And it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. But that's what happens when you are open the way that he was. You can adjust to the ball. You can go get it. As opposed to you have a defender blanketing you and now you're both hand fighting for it. Right. Like that's USC doesn't have that happen often enough. And it was, again, one of those things where that's a momentum shifter that the 100%. defense feeds, yeah. that the offense feeds, that everybody feeds. Yeah. And we we saw it in the moment and we talked about it in the moment. Like, OK, that was the flip being being switched. Yes. And I think it's easy to say that because of wishful thinking, other games you've ever seen in your life, all those things. SC still needed to not allow a miracle at the end of the half. They didn't. They still needed something to go right in the second half. Which they have not been and reliable Parker about. And Lewis gets the, the, the fumble the, recovery. Yes. The guy who was kicked out of the game last week mm -hmm. with a targeting foul... On the opening kickoff, in the opening kickoff of this game, of this of this the half, second half, yeah, of, the, of this half, recovers the ball on the field, uh, right there, giving really? SC a chance in prime real estate mm -hmm. to suddenly, within moments of game game time, be able to go down from fourteen nothing to fourteen fourteen. Well, and that's again. I mean, we talked about the defense and the offense playing off each other. That was special teams playing into that too. Right. Special teams yeah. gets that turnover, but it doesn't mean anything unless the offense pays them back, and the offense paid them back, and that's that's the kind of. And it wasn't just like paying them back, like oh, I guess we settled for field goal because we got the ball in field goal range. No, they went out and they scored, and you know USC doesn't score touchdowns in the. Uh, in the in the third quarter very often it's it's not their uh, not their forte but that was exactly the kind of drive that you needed and 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 it is that's the one that's extended by or was it the drive before the first half where it's extended by a questionable roughing the passer call yeah but at some point USC needs to start taking advantage of those weak calls that come the way of you every Pac-12 team yeah, if something's not going to go your way, I mean, uh, make sure that it doesn't compound. And if something does go your way, make sure that you take advantage of it. And SC took advantage of those moments when they happened uh, in the last, really, 45 minutes of this game. In the first 20 minutes, 15 minutes, it didn't go their way. Every little thing was going wrong. You saw the, the Chris Steele penalty. Uh, Jackson Dart looked like he had the ball covered, and then it was a perfect punch punch out to to strip him mm -hmm. on, on his like second drive. Like 
things were not going SC's way, and then suddenly they were, and then literally everything came up SC. 28 points in the third quarter. It was an Four avalanche. touchdowns. Four. Four touchdowns. Yeah. I, I haven't run the numbers because I remember the uh, last week I was looking into the third quarter stuff and I forgot how much SC actually did score in the third quarter last last mm-hmm. year. I think they had like 10 points against UCLA and they had scored yeah. uh, They had scored against Arizona. Somebody they had scored. They had done a better job of occasionally getting a touchdown in the third quarter, where in 2019 it it was like, you cannot score in the third quarter. But it was still futile for the most part in the third quarter. It's not like they had fixed the problem. They had just been slightly better. This time, they were just tremendously better. uh, 28 points, uh, including the strip sack by by Drake uh, Jackson. SC finally gets off the snide, records a sack. They have two in like successive moments, including the strip sack, well, that was Drake Jackson finally breaking through to have some sort of play this year. Can we he talk had, about he had the that? interception in the first in the first game? But outside yeah. of that, have you really He's noticed been him a on little the field? bit anonymous? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if that's opposing offense is doing a good job of just quieting him down because he's clearly the threat. Right. But that's that sack was so much fun to watch because he's one on one on the outside, he beats his man, and then you just see him like in slow it felt like slow motion. He was not moving in slow motion, but it felt like slow motion where he's bearing down on the quarterback blindside. So the quarterback has no idea that he's coming. And you're just sort of like holding your breath like, is he going to get like, is he going to get there? Is the quarterback going to get the ball out? Is he going to get there? Is he going to get there? And then he does this like leaping, flying, arm arm smashing uh, uh, sack from behind. That's just like if you were if you were shooting a Disney movie where your where your team the, the protagonists need the big strip sack in the end zone to to win the game or whatever. Like, that is the acrobatic, leaping, swatting safety that you would come up with. Yes. And you get the ball out and then... The choreographer does that and you're like, this doesn't like, actually that's not That's not actually how people play this football. beautifully in the game. Yeah, or? yeah. But uh, but Drake Jackson did it, and it's just one of those like just beautiful, just like that. Uh, like it's gonna be iconic in my mind, just leaping, smashing. You know like, remind me of huh? Twenty seventeen, SC and Cal at the goal line. I remember that Jenna Nwosu makes an incredible play where he leaps up and bats the ball yeah. down, and then jumps down in the middle of the air to get get the ball up yeah. as an interception. Yeah, no, obviously a completely different play, but. It, that kind of acrobatics and yes. athleticness also vaguely reminded me of of like free willy breaching <laughs> in the sense that like it just happened so slowly. Yes, that's what it was like slow motion it, in the air. Yeah. Yes, that that it looked like it was all happening at, at the same time. Yes. And we thought it was a safety until the, the camera angle originally first, you couldn't see the ball come yeah, out. Yeah, at first I couldn't see the ball come out, but yeah. it clearly did, and it was clearly because of the way that Drake Jackson approached that sack. Yeah, and Tuli gets it. It's not that he just tried to hit the dude. He wanted to hit the dude while also like bringing down his arm like a jackhammer to make sure yes. that he disrupted any any ball holdment that was going on. So yep. yeah, and 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 really a uh, heads up play by Tuli Tupelotu to disengage from his block to get down there to pick up the ball before the the yep. offense could notice what was happening. Just a beautiful all around play and and. It was one of those plays that USC need. USC needs that spark. Like, you don't need Drake Jackson to be in the backfield on every single play. You need him to be that guy that comes up when you need it. 
Yeah. And Talano Hufanga was off in that for USC. Drake Jackson needs to be that guy. And, and he's done it now a couple times in, in this season. So that's all you can ask for. And that defensive score, my favorite thing about that defensive score is it is not the final touchdown of the third quarter. Because USC goes out and scores again on a long pass to Drake London. Like, mm-hmm. I love that they were still going out there wanting to put up more. Yeah, and continue to put their their foot on the uh, their boots on the throats of the Cougars, and they kept doing that. Drake London scores the final touchdown. He finished the day. Thirteen catches, hundred and seventy yards. He, he, he scores the second to last Insane. touchdown. So, no, in the last quarterback, uh, last oh, touchdown of, of the, the quarter, third quarter. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, and SC goes up with a crazy score of thirty-five to fourteen at the end of the third. They go into the fourth quarter uh, and they score ten more points. They get a field goal. Uh, your dad, who's over here watching the game, made a great point. It's so much nicer to watch this offense when the field goal is sprinkled in among the touchdowns rather than being in the replacement for the touchdowns. When when the field was goal, able to finish off drives. Yeah, when the field goal is the field goal to put you up 38-35 instead of the field goal that puts you up 17. Right. And a Kyle Ford touchdown. Uh, ends the thing. Which is so great to see him score a touchdown. Dude yes. looks massive. He looks like a tight end. Start using him like it. Yeah, and then an interception right at the death to, to secure the unanswered points. Uh, so it's 45-14. SC wins. SC covers. SC is 1-0 under Dante Williams. We want to get to some main topic questions. Yes, we know we're, going to, we're going to talk about the thing everyone wants us to talk yes. about. Yes. So let's do that after this break. All right, Alicia, we have to talk about it. This is the pressing question everybody wants to know. Everybody's tweeting us. Everyone's texting us. Everybody wants to know. How do you get Keenan Kristen involved in this offense? (laughs) Well, Keenan Kristen has to be eligible to play, first and foremost. If you're wondering why he's not present, he is not currently, uh, as far as we know, he's he's suspended. Yeah. Anyways, the, the point is, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, three things. One, uh, Dante Williams, before anything. Talk about Dante Williams. What do you think about his performance as a first-time head coach in, the fir- in his first game? And do you think the turnaround in this game is a credit to Dante Williams, yes or why not? Well, I think it's a credit to Dante Williams that the third quarter was so different. Something changed at halftime. And it's a, it's it's one outing, so I don't know if it's Dante Williams. Maybe it's Dante Williams asking more of his coordinators. Maybe it's Dante Williams. Maybe we'll find out that Dante Williams really fired up the team in, at the half. I would not be surprised if that was like whatever it is, I don't I don't know, but I do know that we have never ever ever seen a Clay Helton team respond in a third quarter like this. So no, no. that that is the big difference. This is these are the same players, these are the same coordinators, these are the same, you know, same all around. We have never seen a Clay Helton team respond in a third quarter like this. So I'm going to give the credit to Dante Williams because that's the difference that that went on the, in this game. Right. He something happened that that got so them going. We've seen SC have big first quarters. Uh, we've seen SC have big second quarters. We've seen SC have big fourth quarters. We haven't really seen a dominant third quarter like this. I'm going to say, and on the Dante Williams stuff, and, and really this is my take for everything, 
let's slow down and take a deep breath. Take a deep breath mm-hmm. and take everything in. Um, SC, the way that they played this game, um, and this is not to discredit anything that happened in the game, but SC, this is what SC should do to Washington State. Washington State is not a good team. This is what you should do to them. Uh, getting back to how they played in the second half of this game is what they should have done in the first half. Um, and they got there. How did they get there? I think they made coaching adjustments in the second quarter. I don't necessarily think it was a half thing. I think what gave the the mojo and the momentum and the oomph and all that was the fourth down touchdown at the end of the first half. But I think the adjustments were already made because you can see the change in direction. Uh, offensively, they averaged three yards of play in the, in, the, in the first quarter and it was up to 7.4 in the second quarter. Uh, and the the run of Washington State going on all their punts and all their three and outs and their futility had already started in the second quarter. So I don't think it was a halftime decision by Dante Williams. I think this was more of adjustments were made by both both coordinators. We saw it from Graham Harrell. We saw it from Todd Orlando. We've talked about those. A lot of those means stopping the run uh, defensively and taking away Max Borgie. And then offensively, sort of abandoning the run and opening things up a little bit and being able to trust uh, Jackson Dart to, to be able to make plays. So I think there were adjustments made, but Dante Williams absolutely plays a role in steadying the ship and getting the mojo back and having, you know, a, a say in, in the second quarter uh, and the, and the, and halftime. I think where I'm, where, what I want to go back to is an article that came out of uh, uscfootball.com uh, our, our pal Kilior is involved with the the like the inside look at what Dante Dante Williams has changed. Did did you did you read that thing? Uh, it went no. viral on Friday. It was pretty it was pretty interesting about how the the little changes that he's made, like uh-huh. players can't wear hoodies and stuff like that in practice. Well, every, and, and everybody dresses. Yeah, but but they're like it's like little anal things. Yeah. Like you can't wear a hoodie into a practice room and, and those kind of things. Um, you can't do this. You can't do that. It's just establishing little rules. You can't step on the logo in in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I think all of these little things are meaningless, corny things. However, these are what you do because you need to establish that this is a change. Yes. This is different than what we were doing before. And so you change literally anything that you can. If you were getting... If you were having... Um, you know, to, to make a food analogy like our friend Ryan Abraham, if you're having chicken chicken noodle soup every day, then get lentil soup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just change something for the for the sake of it being different. And, and focus on little things. I mean, uh, I've, yeah. I've been open about my struggle with, uh, with mental health, depression, anxiety, all of those kinds of things. And I remember always my uncle once told me, like, just something very, very simple of... Make your bed every morning. It's a right. very, very simple. Yeah, it's a very simple task, but you start your day with you. Did, you were productive. You started with a win. Yeah, and like it's those little things that sometimes, like, I mean, is that going to be the big thing that like no. saves you from from dealing with mental health problems? No, but no. it's it you 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 add on little wins here and there, and yeah, sometimes something as simple as we're going to have new rules that are going to make you think differently yes. about the way you approach your preparation. Like that's yeah, it. because. Coaching styles are like diets. Everything works. Yes. It's just a matter of do you have the buy-in and, and 
And does is it, it going to work for you? Is it going to work for you right yeah. now? Because usually you have to do one or the other. You alternate. Like we see this in like uh, professional sports all the time. You have the the hard ass coach who gets who loses the team, and then mm-hmm. the soft guy comes in, and then he loses the team. Then you got to go back to the hard guy, right? Yeah. Like you go back and forth between these things. All these things can coexist. They all can work. But you, when you're in a change like this, you change any little thing you can just because. And I think that you can make the little corny rules about not wearing a hoodie, which means it's nothing. And it's ironically is probably what makes people mad about the about Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Yeah. Are probably the little <laughs> things that, that end up working for SC in, in this situation. So yeah. it's it's a little give and take that way. But yes, um, all these little things play a role. Dante Williams plays a role here. Now, let's talk about the quarterback situation. Jackson Darts sets the USC record for the most passing yards in a debut of anyone. And not only was this his debut, it wasn't even his first start. Uh, Keaton Slovis goes down on the third play of the game, and it's really similar to what Matt Fink did against Utah uh, Mm -hmm. two years ago at the Coliseum. Slovis goes down on the first drive. He comes in and he energizes the offense except Dart significantly better than Fink in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it begs the question, what do you do with the quarterback situation? We don't know what Keaton Slovis's injury status is. We're recording this before we've looked through the, the press conference quotes, so well, we, have, we don't even know what was said in the press conference. I have a, a tweet from Keely Yor, uh from uscfootball.com. Her name is Yor, by the way. Yor. Did I say? You said Yor. Yor? Yor, whatever. Uh, sorry, Keely. Interim head coach Dante Williams says that USC quarterback Keaton Slovis will be able to practice this week and, quote, we'll take it from there. Yeah. So, But we still haven't really heard what, yeah. I mean, we've heard something about neck. It's something maybe upper body. It looked like he took a shot to the head. So, yeah. like, was it a concussion Maybe it was thing? a concussion. Maybe it was a neck strain. It didn't maybe. look like a, like, a, like, Did, a, like a hard no. hit on him, but... It doesn't always have to be the the crazy ones, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah. It, a lot it, of times it's not. Yeah, and and so. So what do you do? You, what do you do at quarterback? Well, okay. So the first question I have is: Does is Keaton Slovis able to practice this week? Uh, if the answer is no, then you do not throw him out there against Oregon State. Right. It's you that just simple. Roll with dirt. Yeah. Yes. Which I think is, if I were Dante Williams, <laughs> I would be crossing my fingers. Not. Not that I want Keaton to be hurt or anything like that. I absolutely don't want that. But like, if I were Dante Williams, I would want that decision taken out of my hands. And that would be the best case scenario. Take this decision out of my hands. Uh, If the decision is in Dante Williams' hands, I think this is an incredibly difficult decision to make. Jackson Dart is a true freshman. He was playing against a bad Washington state defense. And we need to stress that this Washington state defense is not good. So like, don't get it twisted. He also throws his first interception in triple coverage. It was a very freshman interception. It was a bad throw. Uh, he has the fumble, even though I don't the hold fumble, that against him. The fumble felt a lot like the Sam Darnold first game fumble where he just maybe has to learn. Maybe you can't dive forward like that. Sure. Yeah. Or maybe slide. you need to. Ch- I mean, and the thing, the thing that's so hard, not heartbreaking, but like the frustrating thing about that fumble is he's got two hands around the ball, like he's trying to do <laughs> the what you're taught as far as the uh, ball security and stuff like that. But it just, it's just a really perfect punch from the uh, from the defender. So 
that one happens. The second interception is genuinely an arm punt. And they actually, I saw a quote on, on Twitter about how uh, the um, Dante Williams was joking about how Jackson set up Drake Jackson for the uh, for the safety sack strip t- uh, scoop and sore thing <laughs> with that arm punt. And, and Jackson Dart was joking about, yeah, it was totally on purpose. The arm punt I really don't care about. He was just chucking it up and he gave his receiver a chance and it just happened in that context. It's fine. Um, so while he made some freshman mistakes, he made many more impressive throws. While he had some erratic throws, he made even more impressive throws. Live by the dirt, die by the um, dirt. And I love his rushing ability. I love his running ability and how, what the the other element that it adds to this to this offense do i think that you can bench a healthy keaton slovis who maybe just had a stinger and is able to come back in immediately and practice from day one uh that is really rough on slovis but in the context of this season where the head coach has been fired where you have an interim where you're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks I don't think it's out of bounds to go with Dart. Part of me would gauge the team. The context matters here. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm 100% with you. Who does the team want to play for? That's I, my question. I think in a normal situation, I think you stick with Slovis. Yeah, honestly. absolutely. I think you stick with Slovis. I, I think Dart you know, showed what he can do in, in this offense. But I also think that what the def- what the offense was able to do, they should be able to do with Keaton Slovis. I don't think that, yes, his ability to run helps, but we've seen Keaton Slovis throw downfield in a very air-rated offense before. We saw it in November of 2019 that we've talked about plenty of times. So if the idea is that only Jackson Dart can get you to that thing, I don't completely buy into that idea. I think Jackson Dart's ability to run helps. I don't think it is preventing uh, SC from or Keen Slovis's lack of ability is preventing SC from having a, an offense that can score points. For, is it preventing SC from having the best possible op- offense? I'll listen to that argument all day. And so in this in this scenario, I think it should, in theory, de- depend on Keaton Slovis's health because you got to see what what's going on. I will say that I don't think it's like a stinger because if it was a quick stinger, I don't think Jackson Dart was good enough on his first two or three drives to warrant sticking Sleep in. Slovis not coming back in as soon as he was able. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So clearly it was a little more serious than that, depending on what whatever it is. Maybe it is just a concussion protocol thing. I don't know. We're going to find out later. Maybe if that. But you took my points right from me before I could make it. This is an interim head coach. And I think that SC right now is in the the business of making changes to make changes to see what happens and to play around with the different pieces that you have. And I think that when you have that ability to make changes and to do anything and play with the paints that you have, you can paint with any color you pick. And it, that gives Dante Williams the ability to pull the plug on Slovis unfairly or uh, quickly or any of those things, I think you can do it, especially when you look at the first two weeks where it's not like the offense was lighting anyone's hair on fire. If anything, it's very much the opposite. 
and we've seen him regress. I don't think Keaton Slovis, despite the regression, has done anything to warrant being benched because I think so many of the problems are bigger than Keaton Slovis. Yes, they're systemic. Yes, they're absolutely systemic. So I don't think going to darts is going to solve every issue. But when you're the interim head coach and it's your job to just throw things at the at the wall and see what sticks and try changes for the sake of changes, again, wearing hoodies in a meeting, if, if you're going to make that rule, then you have the ability to go with the hot hand here. Um, because SC has nothing to lose. They're playing with health, house money. If they lose games, well, you know, this is the problem that Keen's, uh, that that Clay Helton put together. If they win games, well, it shows their ability and maybe they end up showing things along the way that can be used going forward or whatever it is. And I think that it, the difficult part is the fan perspective, because I think if you're the fan, you're looking at this for the future of the program years from now. I think you are watching games with dreaming about 2022, because this season, even though it's not a lost season because people have bought back in, it's very much a lost season in the fact that everyone's looking to 2022 when there's a new head coach. And for the sake of the future, for the sake of 2022, it's better that you throw Dart in there and, and, and he starts. Well, I mean, th- that's a question I'll ask to you because I know the I know my answer. Which quarterback would you rather watch for the rest of USC season? I would rather watch Dart just because it's fun. I'd rather watch Dart because... I I want to see the future of SC football. It's nothing against Keaton Slovis yeah. right now. Like I said, I, I don't think he's done enough to be benched when, when the problems are systemic. Yeah. But if SC is out here needing to solve things for the future and get ready for the next step, even though the the new head coach isn't here yet, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm just going to ignore The new head the, coach is not here yet. Yes. I, you would hope not. But but yes, the the... I, I think we're on the same page. So either way, what I can tell you I do not want is to the controversy. Yeah, I'm not uh, looking I, forward to I, I know we get on here on the podcast and we bitch about all the narratives on USC Twitter, and we're probably really annoying in doing that. We sit here and complain about the people calling for Helton every single day, warranted or not, like it just would make things tired, right? And then... He gets fired, and then it's like, uh, after two days, I'm actually tired of hearing about who needs to be, who <laughs> yeah. wants to be, who should be hired. So like, uh, unsubscribe me from this narrative. Yeah. And then here we are with a quarterback narrative. So like, part of me is like, uh, I don't want to qu- just make a decision and and be done with it. But either way, you're you're bound to hear something because people are going to point back. Remember, uh, narratives don't have logic a lot of the times. And just because th- there are correlations doesn't mean it was the reason. So if SC turns this season around, you can absolutely bet the DVD at the end of the season that's put together is going to like point to Jackson Dart being the catalyst. Is mm-hmm. Jackson Dart the catalyst for turning it around? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But it's absolutely going to be the thing that people would point to if he ends up being the quarterback in SC you know, wins 10 games. Well, and and the problem now is that Keaton can come back in and the moment he struggles, it's it's going to be like USC fans have a new thing to complain about. Like, Yeah, there's always going to be something to complain yeah, about. Yeah, sure. but now they've seen sure. Jackson Dart. And now it's not just like the media saying he looks really good or guys who have watched YouTube uh, compilations of his high school days saying he's going to be really good. Like now people have actually seen in Cardinal and Gold what he can do. And that's 
that's going to create some some issues. But I, the last thing that I want to say is, I know we talked about Keaton not being a captain. Doesn't really matter. I just want to put out there, it feels like it's going to matter now. Because if Keaton was a captain, I would feel much more confident that if Dante Williams asked, you know, who does the team want to fight for? I would feel a little bit more confident in, I, in, in figuring out that answer. I know it's easy to say, who does the team want? But if you're the head coach... But you're, if you're the like, interim, if you're the substitute teacher and you come in and say, kids, what do you want to do? Which I movie? know, like, but... Do like, you want to watch just, a movie? Like, the, if, you're the, if you're the substitute teacher, you just put the damn movie on. No, I get that, but the <laughs> thought of it makes me queasy. Uh, I know, I know, that, like, but... You don't let the players make decisions. The players are partly... Like they all advocated the, for the for players Clint are Elton, remember yeah no I I agree the players are Reggie make, Bush is out on Twitter advocating uh, for, for Deion Sanders for Deion yeah Sanders. no one no one wants Don't, that juice like, like no no but 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 it is it is going to be a factor about who's going to lead the team and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out if Keaton's healthy I mean I guess the other question is Keaton might not stay healthy Jackson Dart might not stay healthy he said after the game that his knee was fine but also like That was worrisome. The, yeah. I mean we were a second I'm... away from Miller Moss having to take over in this game. <laughs> so you know just all we know right now is that the season is going to play out in a million different ways that we can't predict yet. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, uh, last thing. Uh, your thoughts on Jackson Dart's eye black. Okay, hold on. One eye black. I uh, Part of me... Okay, oh, no, can we call him One Eye Jack? One Eye Jack. Oh my God. One Eye Jack. One Eye Jack. It's it. One Eye Jack. It's done. Okay, Jackson Dart's eye black. Number one. Uh, is it a good look? I find it quite distracting. I, I, I don't know that he's pulling it off, except that... He's got that swagger, so he's kind of pulling it off. My favorite thing about the Jackson Dart eye black, and I've said this now to everybody in my vicinity, so I'm sure you're probably annoyed with it, but like Jackson Dart went into the locker room and put that one eye eye black on his face while he was the backup quarterback who probably wasn't going to see the field for many more weeks. Yeah, and then he came out in the game and dropped dick. Yes, that's literally what he did. So like, as I said to somebody on Twitter, do I think that a quarterback wearing one-eyed eye black is a good look? No, I I just I don't think it's great. But if he keeps throwing touchdown passes, if he keeps winning, I do not give a crap. He could do the entire the we've had linebackers in the past who did the full the Eddie Vanderdose the, the Vanderdos, like black coming all like like fading down the face. He could do uh, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know you want your quarterback in blackface. Well, no, I don't want my quarterback in blackface. You know, that's a problem. But, like, do whatever you want with your eye black, bro. If you're winning games, if you're throwing touchdowns, I do not care. Yeah. The the thing that, that I enjoyed about this game is that Jackson Dart reminds me so much of Sunshine. He is Sunshine. And the I, hair. You know what it is? It's the hair. It's, it's the coming face. out the back of the... It's the helmet. Like, yes. The helmet looks so similar to what T.C. Williams wore. Mm -hmm. And you put it together and like, that's Sunshine. And then you look at Washington State and Jane Delara takes off his, <laughs> his helmet and it's like got streaks of like bleach and stuff in there. And like the way his eye paint is, which was like in crosses and stuff. Yeah. Very similar. I'm like... That's Rufio. Yes, he looks it's like Sunshine Rufio. Sunshine and, and Rufio. Rufio. It's yeah. like movies from the 90s yes. have come back. And, yes. Uh, I'm yeah. here for it. I'm here, here for both. I'm yeah. here for both. 
more personality, more excitement, whatever. I don't care. All right, uh, now is the time for you guys to call into the Rave Line. 213-373-1872 is the phone number. Give us your calls. Let us know what you were thinking about USC's 45-14 win over the Washington State Cougars. 45 unanswered points. Can we just point out before we leave, literally as USC was winning this game, as the final whistle was taking down, USC got a commitment from a dude called Ephesians. Ephesians Prysock. A cornerback, four-star guy. Does, okay, I'm just going to ask the dumb question. Does Ephesians... Is there a... Like, There's a, a book in the Bible called Ephesians. For real? USC is going to have a dude named Prophet Brown. And if this guy follows through, we'll have Ephesians Prysock. Yeah, it's but, like... But it's they like, still haven't recruited wh- Numbers Jones. Like, Numbers Jones, no. <laughs> Exodus Williams? Yeah. Where the hell gets, is Exodus gets, Williams? Yeah, get some Exodus up in here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, uh, they'll have to settle for uh, One-Eyed Jack. Yep. Yeah. All right. One-Eyed Jacks? You don't like that. Okay, that's fine. Okay, later. See ya. See ya.